0: This is Your Working Life, a podcast with tools, inspiration, and resources to help you enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Tara Swart to the show. Tara will discuss how the way we think determines our life. Tara, welcome to the show. I am really excited about our conversation. Me too, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. So let's launch right in. How can people improve their lives by learning how to train their brains?
1: Well, I always say that our brains are our biggest assets. And I do get the feeling when I talk to my clients and my friends that we kind of take that asset for granted So I've always thought that if we understand more about how our brains work, that we can just get so much more out of them. And that includes things like being able to master our emotions, trust our intuition, understand our brain-body connection, make better decisions stay motivated, and use all of that to create the life and the work life that we really want.
0: And you have such a fascinating background because you are a neuroscientist, a medical doctor, and a leadership coach, as well as a best-selling author. So I find your uh, combination of skills and credentials so applicable in this world. You know, in the leadership coaching world, we talk a lot about neuroscientists, but many of us, myself included, are not trained in that field, but we tap into the research. You truly have a different vantage point. So help us understand what happens in our brain, for example, when we set a goal, Thank you for for mentioning my sort of strange combination of background. It's a beautiful combination. I love it.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It's one of those things where looking back, the threads have really come together, because as you say, neuroscience absolutely informs leadership and leadership coaching. So really what changed was that with the advent of scanning technologies, We could go from having psychology informing coaching and leadership to having the more physiological side informing it. So, for example, when you talk about setting a goal and you talk about maybe staying motivated and resilient or why we give up and don't reach our goals. That has always remained to me quite intangible when you think about the reasons that we fail or we achieve goals. Once you look at brain scanning technology, you can actually see what happens in the brain, how blood flow moves around, which pathways are activated. And so this just helps us to understand why we might want to give up, when we should persist and maybe when it's actually better to change um, whatever the goal is. And so it takes it from intangible to very tangible. And I always use the analogy of learning a language. So if you set a goal, however small or however large, it's exactly the same process in your brain as learning a language. So basically, you know that if you used an app, or you try to just speak, let's say Spanish on vacation, that you probably wouldn't improve that much over a short period of time. But if you got lessons every week with a teacher, you'd probably improve quite a lot. And if depending on how long you did it, you might even become fluent. So it's kind of like that, you set a goal, but then it's about the milestones and the actions that you carry out to reach that goal that has a differential effect on your brain pathways.
0: Fascinating. Thank you for using the example of learning a language that really, really resonates with me. You know, Tara, this is an interesting time in our culture. I think there's a lot of noise out there, a lot of stimulation with social media, other forms of media. So there's a lot for us to take in, in life and career. So help us understand, how can we help our brain choose what to pay attention to and what to ignore while we're at work? Such a great question, because we are all absolutely plagued
1: by multitasking. And, you know, there has been a myth around for a long time that women are better at multitasking than men, but I think that puts so much pressure on us to feel that we should multitask. Whereas the neuroscience says that when you do more than one thing at the same time, you do each task less well than you're capable of doing that task alone. And that's really helped me stop trying to do everything at the same time and move to what I call task switching, which is sequentially doing things one after the other. Um, And this even applies to your thinking. So towards reaching goals, if you actually move between different ways of thinking, it seems a bit clunky at first, but then it becomes seamless. You're more likely to, to do well. And so my favorite way of priming your brain to notice the opportunities that you really need to grasp and to filter out some of the things that are just what we call noise is through creating a vision board. And I actually call it an action board because you also have to do the things to achieve um, what you create through images as sort of like a collage. But there are two gearings in the brain that help this to work, and they are selective filtering and value tagging. Because we're bombarded with so much information, as you say, through social media and everything else, the brain naturally filters things out because we can't focus on everything that we hear, see, smell, and experience. By creating a board or a you know a really robust list of things that you want in life, you're more likely to focus on those things that you brought to the front of mind rather than what your brain might naturally choose to filter out. And value tagging is the process of prioritizing an order of importance the things that we focus on. And again, that can happen in autopilot. And what I'm really trying to help people to do is to choose the order choose the importance to create the life that you want rather than letting life happen to you
0: i love the vision board it's something that i have used for a long time but i'm really grateful for your slight reframe of action board that that makes a big difference in how you approach that so help me understand again as a as a lay person understanding what i read about neuroscience is the vision board the actual visual um, appreciation of what we put on that board is that helping us choose, prioritize, and program the brain to uh, focus on these things more readily by, by having that visual stimuli.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I'm actually thrilled to hear you saying that you've been doing a vision board for years, as have I, because there's still a sort of idea in society that that's kind of, an alternative or very personal thing to do. But I really want to say to you that I've had CFOs and CEOs of large global companies make vision boards. So um, and I think once you know the neuroscience behind it, the fact that it primes your brain to um, be more conscious of opportunities that might otherwise have passed you by, that it becomes more compelling. So yes, absolutely, it's a collage made by hand with representations, either literal or metaphorical, of the goals that you wish to achieve in life, you have to um, look at it regularly and visualise it being true. The looking at it regularly part is particularly important just before you fall asleep, which is why, for example, I have mine next to my bed. Because of a psychological phenomenon called the Tetris Effect, So I am of that age group that played Tetris on my Game Boy until the last minute that I had to go to sleep when I was a kid. And so I remember closing my eyes and actually seeing the little bricks falling in front of my eyes, you know, even when I was falling asleep. And that's actually become a recognized phenomenon. So the thing that you look at last thing at night is actually imprinted onto your subconscious and that gets processed overnight whilst you sleep. Meaning that the next day and every day onward, you are more likely to notice if something that's close to one of those images, if you actually see that in your real life. So whereas something like just to give a really basic example, a red car, you might have had your first car was a red car. Now, you're not going to notice every single red car that you walk past on the way to work. But if you put an image on your board, you look at it regularly, particularly before you go to sleep then whatever that thing is that you need to notice, an opportunity at work, an opportunity in your relationship or your family, then you're just more likely to notice it and then you have the choice to do an action related to that.
0: I love the placement concept of that because I have mine in my office and it's a it's a beautiful visual reminder. But perhaps I'll have a, another version of it at home that, that I can view more, more readily and especially before I go to bed. What are your thoughts about that? Perhaps having multiple versions or is the consistency for the exact images?
1: Well, actually, what I advise my um, coaching clients is to take a photo of their vision board so that they can have it as their screen saver or they can just have it saved you know, on their tablet or their phone so that you can look at it at any time. So for example, if like you, your actual vision board is at work, you can still look at it last thing at night. However, having said that with devices, you need to make sure that you're not looking at staring at blue light just before you go to sleep. So either you have the blue light blocking glasses or you've put the app on your phone, the setting on your device so that the light is more orange if you're going to look at it lasting at night.
0: Very good tips because we do want a good night's sleep. That's fantastic, Tara. Okay, we will be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We wanna hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowthiggins.com. So Tara, I'd love to hear your take on why some people effortlessly achieve their goals and others seemingly repeat patterns of failure or inertia. Certainly as a fellow leadership coach, I have seen this in my clients.
1: Where it seems effortless for some people, there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind the scenes. And that may just be that people are actually actively working on goals um, that we don't necessarily know about, but it's also about what's going on in the brain. So there's actually a tipping point where a pathway becomes developed enough in the brain that a new behavior becomes easy for us. And prior to that point, it can seem like there's a lot of effort going in, but not much reward coming out. And then when we reach that critical mass of neurons that create an effortless pathway in the brain, suddenly it looks like we've learned this new behavior or achieved this goal. So I think apart from the fact that we shouldn't be disheartened when it looks like it's so effortless for other people and it's harder for us, it really comes down to what I call mental resilience. And I have a very strong image in my mind of this person that's digging for gold, that's been digging this tunnel, and then they decide to give up. But we can see on the image that the gold is literally just beyond the next dig of the spade kind of thing. So I think that pushing that extra mile when you've been trying so hard at something and it feels like it's not working is quite important. But I'm sure you also find in your coaching work that knowing when to give up and try something different is important too. The more that people are able to access their intuition, I think the better judgment we have around when to give up and when to keep going.
0: I, I so appreciate you saying it might look effortless, right, for those that are quick to achieve their goals or or steady in achieving those goals. But I, I liken it to the analogy of an ice skater, right, who's just gliding on the ice. And it looks so simple to those who are watching. But the, the work that went in, right, the conditioning, the training, the practice. So thank you for putting that in perspective, because it might seem simple, but there's there's so much work that's involved.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's really important to know that because that can either demotivate you or motivate you. And and as I said um, at the beginning, motivation is, is one of the really key pathways to develop in the brain towards achieving our goals.
0: Exactly right. So I'd like to dig a little further and again, tap your neuroscience expertise. How can optimizing your brain as you write so eloquently about help us achieve a goal, you know, whether it's health and wellness or or a career goal, how do we optimize that? It actually starts with
1: some very fundamental practices, which you will have heard before, but I, I would like to go over the importance from neuroscience of things like sufficient length and quality of sleep, um, nutrition, dense diet, adequate hydration, oxygenating your brain through not even necessarily formal exercise, but just not being sedentary all day. The brain is obviously part of our body, it's a physical organ, and it requires these physical inputs to be optimised for mental performance outputs. I often say that you'd never drive your car to work without filling up the tank, checking the oil and the water, but a lot of people will get out of bed, grab a coffee, not have breakfast, and expect to perform really well at work. If we put in all the physical foundations for success, then we can start to build these pathways in our brain that help us to achieve a goal. Like you said, anything from a small wellness goal up to a really big um, work promotion type goal. If your brain has sufficient energy and resources, then it can spare the, the, the energy and resources to work on these goals if you're tired if you're hungry if you're stressed and stretched by many different things you simply don't have the bandwidth to do that because the brain is tiny only weighs four or five pounds and it's a very small percentage of our body weight but it's a very energy hungry organ and the resources for our, for thinking and achieving goals are glucose which is the breakdown products of a healthy balanced diet and oxygen which is um, taken in by breathing and movement. So it's really important to set ourselves up physically for mental success.
0: I'm I'm so glad that you you talked about this comprehensive and holistic approach to well-being and honoring and energizing our brain. I see sadly in the corporate world in the United States still this this badge of honor for working so many hours and surviving, as they say, on so little sleep. And we know that's just not sustainable nor healthy. And and in the end, incredibly debilitating. But let's, let's take it a little deeper because again, I'm so grateful to have you here with your expertise. What about diet? And and by that, I mean, what kinds of healthy foods do feed and honor our brain? Um, For example, I really try to limit my sugar because that impedes my clarity and my energy level. That's a personal choice, but what kinds of foods honor our brain?
1: You're absolutely correct that there are only really two no-nos when it comes to the brain. One is sugar because of the spikes and drops in energy. And the other one is smoked food because it's a pro-oxidant process that accelerates cell death, including in the brain. I think it's much better, as you've you've hinted, to focus on what honors our brain and its energy. And that is to try to include as many of these brain-friendly foods as possible in any day or week. That's mostly the good fats, like oily fish, salmon, mackerel. The avocado is like the ultimate brain food. Um, The good oils, like coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil, nut oils, nuts and seeds. And then actually you get a lot of hydration from hydrating foods like leafy greens, melon, cucumber, and eggs are also very good for the brain, so I try to eat as many of those things as I can. I try not to focus so much on on what I'm not eating, apart from refined sugar and smoked food.
0: Interesting to learn about smoked food; that's new to me. Okay, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that that clarity. So, uh, Tara, as we as we wrap up today, sadly, I see so many individuals who are unhappy at work and you believe that there are techniques or strategies that we can look to our brains for solutions to change that mindset tell us more about that
1: thanks for mentioning that because i actually wrote the book because i looked around and i just saw so many people people that i work with and people in my personal life that are stuck in a job that they don't really want to be in that have a dream of something that they wanted to do that they they never took the risk to do so because it is a risk it's really about looking both backwards and forwards. It's about looking backwards at what I call your ghosts and thinking about which pathways that have been there for a long, long time since childhood, which, which secrets, which boundaries, which roles that you took on as a child that are now barriers to your success. There are the things that are holding you back from making a change or going for a, pr- for a promotion. You then need to look forward, You know things like the vision board, but also visualizing success, thinking about the greatest outcome that you could possibly have, creating affirmations to match that, replacing any negative self-talk with a positive mantra straight away. There are actually so many things that we can do. And it was really by studying the neuroscience and and researching it that I realized there are so many things. And they're actually such small things in a way, like a mantra or an affirmation that we can introduce into our daily life that can unleash brain power that we have sitting there, but we're holding in reserve because we're scared. And so to take that little step forward, that little risk, is the beginning of unleashing a huge amount of brain potential. And that's why I actually say change 10 things by 1% rather than trying to change one big thing.
0: Ah, I like that. I like that a lot. And did these techniques that you just mentioned, the mantra and the, the reset every day, did those help us train our brain to avoid burnout?
1: These things really go hand in hand. So trying to achieve an, a reward and keeping ourselves mentally resilient at the same time, they're kind of the same activities, which is nice because you get a bonus from doing one or the other. Um, Gratitude lists and journaling are good ways to prevent burnout, but I'd really love to see people focus on things that push us even further out of our comfort zone to achieve those things that we secretly know deep down that we can, but it's probably a little bit too hard work, especially if you're stretched between family and work as it is. There are exercises in the book from very small things like we've mentioned to much longer and deeper exercises that can really bring out the barriers to our success, as well as the things that we need to do to, to reframe this going forward.
0: Dr. Tara Swart, I learned so much from you today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the show. I am just delighted to speak with you.
1: Thank you so much, Caroline, for having me. This is a really great talk.
0: I agree. I learned a lot. But let me tell our listening audience all about your book. It's called The Source, Open Your Mind, Change Your Life. And it's available on Amazon and major book retailers, and I highly recommend it. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because that helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for us to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And I want to give a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.